0: Well, if you would turn then to that passage we read a moment ago, Colossians chapter 2. Well, there's so much in that passage that uh, I could have chosen to preach on this particular Lord's Day morning, January the 1st. And it's rather a not the most uh, immediately obvious thing that I've lighted upon for my theme this morning. In fact, it's in verse 1. And it's where Paul says... That uh, for as many, as he says, as have not seen my face in the flesh. And the title of the sermon is this Strangers to Each Other. Strangers to Each Other. Perhaps put a question mark after that, if you will. Because we've come to a new year. And maybe some of us feel we've had a few new years, and they begin to blur, begin to merge into one. And uh, there we are. And we stop, don't we? And we think, and wise we are to do it, and the hymns we sing kind of prepare us to do that very thing before we, we sort of plunge in. We have here, perhaps very helpfully, our January the 1st is the Lord's Day. So good. We're, we're found right here, beginning the year in God's house with the Bible open and singing his praises. I don't know if you made any great resolutions last year. Whether over coffee, you like to confess how you got on with those there. I don't know whether this year you thought, well, let's start something different. Let's start something new. That uh, you like me might have a, a history not so much of New Years but old years, uh, and old years that begin to merge all into one and resemble each other. And where maybe some of the hopes that you began with those old years, that which were once New Years, uh, you found that it didn't quite happen that way what of us what of us actually as the people of God how interesting there and I heard cars hadn't started so some friends did well to be here this morning others we know are not well others who can't uh, can't make it sent me emails whatever else there to say that they didn't expect to be able to be with us here this morning but we are quite an interesting company of People. And I think I've said before, and I'll say it again there as I, I look, and you know, so many different faces that five years ago, your dear friends weren't here. Five years ago, there were other faces who were here. And uh, well, some of them have gone, and they once were. You never knew them. Some of you, they were pillars of the church and men, women of renown, gone now to their reward, gone to, to glory. And that's you. And I, and all of us there in our own spiritual pilgrimage, why we've got some stories to tell, haven't we? We've been there. We, we've been involved. We have seen things that uh, are unique in some ways to us, our own kind of history, our own particular experience. Oh, where are you who have joined more recently there over much of the recent history? But wow, there has been some recent history And uh, our building work, well, if you've got an hour or two, I'll tell you all about that and how that came to pass and all the ups and the downs of that. And if I was to say, actually, it was an existential threat, we really did wonder whether the church would survive, whether we'd still be here, whether there would be a 2023 for us. Prayed, you might have heard me say it, and I've actually got on my Christmas presents a Bible cover which has Jeremiah 29, verse 11. That's praying for us to have a future and a hope. Well, we have a future and a hope. God well, actually, if you might put it that way, fixed the roof for us and a fair few other things that needed doing and left us with a, an ability to do a fair few more things so around this building. And so don't look now, I'll catch your eye drifting up to the, the plasterwork that needs a bit of work or the tiles that need replacing up there, etc., cetera, et cetera. And that's before we've even started to tell you about the windows. Well, there it is. That's just been actually quite an involved uh, four years for us uh, as a people who, who were there then. And some left us during that time. Some have gone to glory during that time. Some of you joined us when we had our famous scaffolding all around. Others of you came when that had gone. And uh, it was better a dream. And we'd have to show you photographs to prove it really, really did happen and that we really, really were having to pray earnestly that this cause would still be here today. And each of us have got our own background, starting point, arrival point, where we presently are, What what's happened to us in our spiritual pilgrimage, the twists and the turns, the mistakes that needed to be corrected, the Wrong directions, wrong turnings, disappointments, the things that we'd hoped were there and weren't there, the people that we put our trust in, let us down, and we all of us have a story like that. And so within that, as we kind of come together, as we gather here on a, a Lord's Day and come with from our different directions we come from and different dwelling places there. Some of our friends live in boats and some of us in in other more more kind of conventional locations there. How God has brought us together. And though there is difference, we started in different places. We've had different experiences. We have different stories that we can share. Here we are in this place, And it's almost as if, and, you know, I'm not going to go evolutionary, but, you know, the the so-called fossil record and how you have sort of different layers. Well, some kind of reckon need millions of years to account for that. Well, we don't. Uh, We think you can account for that with some catastrophic flood event and laying down of different animals dying in different places in in that way. But, you know, you have a kind of layering of it. And I don't want to be rude in that way. It's all there. But, uh, you know... Like different fossils, we, we've all arrived at different places and you kind of look at the church with various people representing different sort of times in, in the life of this fellowship here. And we pray that actually this fellowship here has a life beyond you and beyond me. And uh, someone's there might someone say, oh yeah, we're becoming old fossils we are, that's a fact. We are praying that we'll have a future beyond where we are now. And that, that future and that hope of which the building work and its completion was something, something of a, of a kind of token, something of a, a divine favor and a hope that yes, there would be a work that would continue here, not just a building, which might be empty or still needing to be paid for and upkeep for gas, electricity and the rest of it, but a cause, a work, a witness, God's servants here still serving. When you and I perhaps have passed away from the scene, but within it, there can be that sense of, well, who are we? Are we strangers to each other? Not really understanding each other, our our, our journey, and what you've seen, what I've seen, what what others of us have seen, what those experiences have been, which are precious, precious experiences. Even the hard things, actually, are very precious. You know, more I think during the trials and the tribulations than during the quieter, calmer periods. And there is Paul, come to that now, haven't I? There is Paul in Colossians chapter two, verse one, writing, writing to the church at Colossae, but he also knows that this letter is going to be read in the church in Laodicea and vice versa, that he is addressing various people. And he says that some of you I've not seen in the flesh. You've not seen my face? He has not seen their face. There's no Zoom to kind of give you a face, if you will, a distant person, a bit disembodied, and a middle head there, or whatever it is, and with a background of whatever it is in your office or bathroom, whatever you do, you're zooming you happen to have. No, actual face to face. And he says, I've not actually known you personally. i not seen you. I don't know all of your story. And, you know, if you if you read through the ends of the letters of Paul, the names and the people, what he remembers about them, lengthy. Read Romans chapter 16. You'll see so many people that he knows, people he's met, people he's stayed with, people who have risked their lives with him in the gospel. But here he's got people that he he didn't actually know. Because in a sense, this church he's writing to here. Was not sort of immediately the result of his apostleship. It wasn't immediately his labour. Ah, he he credits others with this here, and uh, he he writes uh, of of these particular people. Verse seven of chapter one: This grace of God, as you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. There, work has been carried on by other people and Paul is very quick to to recognize that but then he's not slow either to embrace those people and they're at the beginning of chapter one verses three and four giving thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints we've heard of it (laughs) we've heard of it and Paul is saying I've not met you all of you met some of you those a paphras, sure, but I haven't met all of you. You've not seen me face to face. You've not seen me in the flesh. But he's, if he's saying, but I'm praying for you, I embrace you, I reach out to you. You're not, oh, nothing to do with me. You're not sort of a separate group out there. Well, that's fine. You carry on. No, he's, he's drawn to them and he's, he's praying for them as though he had met them all, could name them all, could speak of them, as he does the people in Romans chapter 16. He's not a stranger to them, and he doesn't want them to be strangers to him. They might not have seen his face, but he wants them to understand his heart, and his priorities, what actually is important for them to know. And often, kind of laces all that he says in these letters with his own biography, his own struggles. Where he says there in chapter 2, verse 1, what a great conflict I have for you. How stirred I am. How overwhelmed with with a burden of, of care and concern for you. Knowing some of the particular doctrines that were creeping in and were beginning to unhinge some of the teachers there. Got a burden for them. And a great conflict for them. Hasn't seen them all face to face. But he wants them to know about him. Who I am. What's important. And of course then from his pen. Or a pen of whoever his amanuensis is. Writing these things. And here is the Holy Spirit ultimately giving us this truth. The truth about Christ, isn't it? Well, if we're in him, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He goes on wonderfully. And you are complete. In him, who is the head of all principality and power. And he wants them to know that. That's, that's the doctrine. That's the truth. And he is an apostle, has the authority to publish that truth, to have it read in the church in Laodicea and whatever he sent to Laodicea to be read in the church in Colossae, because he's an apostle. He's seen Christ. He has seen the risen Lord. And he has, as it were, that communication, that direct communication, That comes from heaven. And he wants them to know that. He wants them to know a little bit more about himself, what he wrestles with, what he battles with. So very often it's such a personal, personal touch where you can't read far into second Corinthians before you realize that about this man. He doesn't want them to be strangers to him. He doesn't want himself to be a stranger to them. And it's interesting what he prays actually. What is it that their hearts in verse two may be encouraged being knit together in love? Just being knit together. That's right, isn't it? Different folks from different places and starting points and different sights we've seen along the way and sadnesses that we've, we've carried and still in measure carry yeah, that we can be knit together in love, not be strangers to each other. Well, my first heading, churches post the apostles. Well, this is <laughs> That's one heading there, isn't it? There, and people write books about the church after the apostolic era. Well, what do we have? Well, we have the Bible, don't we, friends? That's what we read. That's our authority in all things. That's That's the book that we turn to. What is the truth? Well, we turn to this book and we seek to be more and more familiar with its contents and how to read it how to understand different portions of it, see what we're to apply, how we're to apply it today, what's different about the apostolic era compared to our own. And we follow the Bible in order to glean that, to find out from the Bible what still is for today and what isn't for today. The Bible gives us that instruction, gives us those hints. It gives us that which we can deduce and rightly understand and say, ah, that works. That doesn't. That's true. That's nearly true. But it's not quite true. If you follow the not quite true, you'll eventually just veer off and veer off. And you need to bring back where the Bible brings us back to. God is speaking. God speaks still through his word. And it is a, a, a book there that's, a, well, Apostle Paul, New Testament. So much of it there is humanly speaking his, his authorship. And very intimate, as I've mentioned there. Very, very strong, the components of his own life poured into it. There's not just, just passionate letters. You're not just reading a, oh, we're saying A chemistry textbook or something like that. I don't know. I don't read these things very much, I have to say. But wow, if you, you know, there's a communication of passion within it. Well, uh, tell me afterwards, but you may be just feeling it's a little bit more clinical a little bit more objective. You don't necessarily understand the real heart of the person who is writing these things. You have to see them perhaps in the flesh, sit under their lectures and get their enthusiasm and their passion for it. But here in Paul's writings, you get it. You get a sense of urgency in First Corinthians. You get it in Galatians. And you get it in many other places too. And through that urgency and through that, that kind of humanity that is Paul, the real flesh and blood apostle, But it's all truth. God intended it for us. It's all truth. And we can use this Bible, reflect upon it, answer the challenges of the day with it. It's robust. It's made for all seasons, all times, all ages, every particular place, every particular culture. Articulating the faith for us, showing us through the confessions and constitutions that those who've gone before us have written which we find so helpful. And we see, well, they understood they had such light. Yes, they needed that light because they're often having to contend against heresies, against errors. They're having to wrestle with the Bible, pray, meet together, talk together, and narrow down how the truth is to be expressed, how it's not to be expressed. And we thank God for those confessions that are handed on from generation to generation. We, We can see how... Responses to particular situations have led to at times different denominations that something has been perceived to be wrong within the existing state of affairs, and that's how the reformation arose. God's people then who saw that what was being taught in the main church in the established church was not the truth that they had to leave it they had to they had to go away from that and they had to establish. More biblical churches and seek before God to interpret the Bible as the Bible would give us to, to itself to be interpreted, and to be a witness to that particular truth. That's how arise from that various practices that every church has that they've reflected on Scripture and searched their own hearts and looked at what's around and responded to that. The orders of service. That's where you get if you can call them that, forms of worship, why we worship as we do here and why we sing the hymns we do and what uh, what uh, kind of material that we we use for that, how we govern ourselves, how we approach those various situations of day-to-day practicality. And it's not just haphazardly arisen, not as if that's a preference there that uh, some people have sugar in their tea and some people don't, well, there we are. Uh, no, that reflection has gone into this and that it doesn't arise just out of some haphazard, well, that's what some people do and other people don't, kind of way. We have their choices very often, don't we? Too many choices. Very often, there it is. You've got the internet, you can choose from that and, well, separate, some people sadly do, from local church altogether and just go off on the internet. And then various churches, some representing one thing, some representing another thing, Oh, how confusing it can be as church life post the apostles. Because what could you do then? Well, then when you had controversy, then when you had a situation, you consulted an apostle. That's why they went to Paul to try to resolve the confusion. It's not as if there were prophets in the church in Corinth. They had a lot of them. Too many of them, in a sense. It's not as if they lacked supernatural evidences that people were speaking in tongues. Too much, as if Paul Is going to write to them and instruct them. And how can he do that? He can do that because he's an apostle. How could those questions be resolved? They could by consulting an apostle. Now they're teaching. Something saying is here in the Bible for us to be able to best as we can with the light that we have to understand it, apply it, and seek to witness to that truth. Second heading. There are stories we have. I've already said that, haven't I, in a sense. There are stories that we have, histories, spiritual biographies, where we've been, what we've been up to, oh, the things that we have seen. Stories indeed. Well, Paul had one, didn't he? He told it quite often, where he had been, what he'd been doing, persecuting the church, no less. What he had been schooled in, what was for him the be-all and the end-all, his pedigree as a Hebrew of the Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin and excelling in all the things that were the, the kind of tick, tick box spirituality of the day. Or oh, you do that. Oh, that's good. You you dress like that. That's good. You're from that school of teaching. Gamaliel. No, that's very good. And that's what he held up before himself to satisfy himself that he was doing the will of God. And then, of course, he tells us that totally and utterly unraveled and he found that he was proverbially on the wrong side of history and that he was fighting against God himself for attempting to and that there was only one winner in that context and it was the Lord in that contest and it was the Lord speaking to him from heaven and there his whole world changed remarkably turned upside down and he by his preaching went forth with other colleagues preaching and turned the world upside down there too. And that is the nature of the Apostle Paul. How he survived his Pharisaism, How he survived his background. How God in his mercy saved him from being the Pharisee of the Pharisees. And in zeal, persecuting the church and such things. There was the mercy of God. And friends, as he in a sense survived. As he was, by God's help, able to get out of what previously was his whole life, then we are also survivors, aren't we? We have survived so much ourselves, family upbringing or lack of it, family background and the sadnesses of it, decisions that we've made, which in the light of our retrospective benefit of hindsight, just the wrong decisions that were there, Oh, we survived it. Perhaps in churches, you survived church. You survived church life. <laughs> oh, it can be quite a ride, can't it, that? What local churches do to people. Uh, some of it is just really uh, not to be thought of. Bad teaching. Yes, that, bad teaching. Filling our heads perhaps there and speak for myself with bad ideas, wrong ideas, wrong thoughts in terms of what to expect, what not to expect. And within church life, too, the stories we can tell, can't we, of lies and deceit and manipulation, bad behaviour, ministerial failure, sexual immorality, it goes on. And the everyday bad behaviour of gossip and judgmentalism and jealousies and arguments and squabbles, hardness of heart. How much of it has just been plain absurd. The wonder of it. That people could believe that that was the Holy Spirit, the wonder that people could believe that that is what the Bible was saying. Oh, you and I, perhaps, we have a story to share there, of how by God's mercy, by the grace of God, we survived it. Paul survived Pharisaism; He was into that in a big way. How he survived all his upbringing and the thought of being right that that gave to him. And by God's grace, by that revelation given to him, that meeting, on the road to Damascus, uh, he thought differently afterwards. And we have perhaps thinking differently now to what we were thinking five, 10, 15 years ago, maybe even a year ago. And we might say that was God's kindness. It can be a local church, like a pressure cooker, and it uh, can be sort of absorb you into it. And you don't actually see what's really going on in the wider world. It, it just becomes this all-absorbing thing. You realise after we step away, what did we put up with that for? What, what crazy things, absurd things that we tolerated and suffered. Oh, to breathe some fresh air after that. Well, that is the mercy of God. And we have those stories. We have those stories. And it's good to share those stories and to sit. And, and it takes time, actually, to do this, to sit and to talk and to share those stories and to listen to each other not be strangers to each other, not as though well, we went there 10 years ago and you weren't in my life, I wasn't in your life, and here we are, we're catching up. Yes, we're catching up. We've got a common faith. We have precious things that we cherish. We love the Lord Jesus. We love the gospel. We want to be part of something that's credible as a as a Christian witness. And we got a story to share, and we need time, time to ask each other, Time to listen to each other. Oh, how they run up to Christmas there. Time? Time to stop. Time to ask. Time to listen. Time just goes. And indeed, not just the run up to Christmas, but all the time. There seems to be little time, little time to be able to stop and ask each other and share with each other and, and bear with each other in that. And if you will, share in the great conflict in which Paul speaks. People he hasn't known, but he's involved with a and he's feeling the pressures. And there's some bad teachings circulating around Colosse, and and he's wrestling. He's he's writing to persuade them and to, to to try to share with them. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. There's nothing new under the sun. And if you find that actually, yeah, you you are being robbed and you are being cheated through philosophy and empty deceit, then that's what was happening in Colosse. And Paul was. Was in great conflict there, feeling that the burden of that is care for the church. And we have those wrestlings, don't we? Those conflicts still within and still seeking clarity and light and still opening the Bible and wrestling with things. And we need to be there to listen to each other, give space and time to each other. The stories we have, let's not be strangers in that. Then a prayer for us prayer for us. So there is Paul. Who shares a little of the conflict he has for the people in Colossae. And for the church in Laodicea. And as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Stranger to you in a way. Uh, but I'm there. I'm wrestling for you. And here's the prayer. As I said, that their hearts may be encouraged. Being knit together in love. Unattained to all riches of the full assurance of understanding. It goes on, doesn't it? To the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's quite a prayer, isn't it? That, that is quite a prayer. There is for these disparate people, different places. Some he's seen, some he knows, some he doesn't know, some he's never met. But this is what he is looking for for them. And oh, if these things come to pass, they won't be strangers to each other, then will they just? They will be sharing in a common life, common experiences, and all of it undergirded by the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That whenever Paul writes, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that he may be saying something very tickle, but it will soon lead off to holding up what Christ is able to be and able to do for us. He holds him up every time, every place. He will be doing that. Even during a hailstorm, it would seem. Anyway, we press on. That their hearts may be encouraged. Three once, isn't it? All these different people, some of whom know him, some don't. Some of whom don't know each other. The people in Laodicea don't know the people in Colossae so very well. So you didn't have Skype, you didn't have internet. Mobility was much less in those days. People were tied to their locality. But that they may be encouraged. They may know they belong together. That they are joined in something, joined in Christ, joined to each other. And that this may be something in which they are encouraged, that their hearts may be encouraged. Friends, we need encouragement, don't we? We need it. We, we need each other to be there as encouragers to each other. That we're not meant to just float free and survive in some sort of isolation. No, we're meant to actually encourage each other. That's, that's, that's church life at it its best to encourage each other. And we might all have a story where it didn't quite work like that at all. That is sad. And so we see that Paul's prayer is actually the opposite, maybe so, that their hearts may be encouraged. And there they are knit together in love. Not strangers here. This whole activity of the spirit within the soul is actually to bring us nearer to each other, closer to each other. But that's real people, real life, real situations, the real histories, including the real hurts and the real harms that we might have received and sometimes at the hands of fellow Christians, even pastors and ministers. Yes, that our hearts may be knit together in love, listening, as I've said, to each other, concern for each other's spiritual welfare, seeking together to bring light into the situations where there's still perhaps darkness, understanding each other, helping each other. And all where does it move on to? To this, that together, and it is being it together, being encouraged together that we're going to attain or oh, to all riches of the full assurance of understanding. And then Paul continues with being taken up with Christ and the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are all hid in him to all riches of the full assurance and if you've been following the uh the series in Ephesians during the evening services well he talks a lot about this doesn't he all riches that this isn't some small amount some meager amount just gold out here and a little gold out there this comes with extravagance it comes with generosity that befits the heart of God And he wants us to be assured of it. He wants us to be well grounded in it, persuaded of it, be in a growing relationship with him in which these things become clearer, more accessible, more real to us. So when we're in those situations of life, when we're in the challenges and in the trials, we have a supply. We're able to call upon the bank of God's reserves there and have that assurance that he is there for us. So we go into a new year. And I trust in that new year, we proceed. different people, different backgrounds and blending together there and different gifts being brought into the church, which so much to be appreciated, helps of one kind or another, because friends, there's plenty, plenty upcoming, plenty upcoming. And a lot of it is really good news, actually. So we we have a baptism forthcoming, hopes of further baptisms as well on the way in that. Why, there is a, a baby expected in our church family. That's, that's not a everyday event at all there. We have a wedding coming up as well in the summertime. There are lots of good things that we have ahead of us. And if I could allow myself this, we if you followed the story with our telephones and internets here at the church, why, I can smile like a Cheshire cat now, because it's working. We have the telephone, we have the internet. Oh, we have it all, friends. We have it all. We've joined the 21st century. Took a while, but there's one less worry. We have heat. Oh I can tell you these things now. We have heat. It can come on Monday to Friday in the morning in this room. Now, I won't explain why we couldn't have it before and the tariff system there. You'll need a couple of very strong cups of coffee to bear with me in the telling of that. But that's done. That's sorted. And uh, coming out fully from the Baptist Union, we are nearly there with that. It's been a lengthy process, and as all these things are, a complex process, but it's coming right, uh, and all of that there. However, uh, there's still plenty of compliance to do. Church life, the regulations that we have to follow, GDPR, fire risk assessments. We're landlords, we have burdens with that. Becoming a charitable incorporated organization. We've got the charity commission to satisfy on that. The building works, as I mentioned, the upper hall, the windows there. Well, we're waiting, we're waiting a while for another window to be done, but we trust this year we're going to see a bit more progress there. Oh, and just to mention as well that uh, some of us are getting a bit older. <laughs> we're getting a bit older and uh, the energy that used to be there isn't so much there. And then our environment. I could mention that in its broadest sense. We've got some challenges, haven't we? You don't need me to overly tell you that. World situation that really uh, demands our attention and our prayers. Ukraine, Russia, Islam hasn't gone to sleep either because we've been learning about Ukraine and singing Ukrainian Christmas carols or whatever else that we've been doing. Still troubles there. Believers suffering under the hands of Islam, (laughs) under the hands of atheism. Our nation. Oh, our nation. I'm not going to say over much at this point about our nation, but as much we can say there. Churches. Oh, at times, aren't we so, so weak? We look out at the wider church situation and sigh heavily. So, so much weakness. So much that is Unhappy, far from having their hearts knit together in love or being an encouragement to each other. It seems almost the opposite. And lack of thought, lack of awareness, lack of repentance, lack of humility. And people. Friends, so many in this day and in this age, what culture has done, what damage it has inflicted upon people. What lies people have been told, young people particularly. And they come, even when they come into the kingdom, it doesn't just all dissolve. It doesn't just end because now they're Christians. In fact, so often the real work starts then. And the undoing of damage and trying to rectify past years of of difficulty, of addictions, of, of whatever else it might be. People struggling to know who they are and identity and all the confusion that there is with that. And the damage doesn't just disappear. Overnight, when a person becomes a Christian, the environment, and it requires of us strength, it requires of us each other to pray for each other, to listen to each other, to show that care, to have that, that conflict, that, that wrestling for each other, that we may all of us there truly know that we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power, that we are calm non-judgmental listeners in that way, ready to to sit and hear something different at times and ready to offer the help and counsel of our own journey thus far, the things God might have shown you and shown me thus far, that we wouldn't be strangers to each other, but well-prepared to cope with, live together, stand in a day where, as I said, our environment requires of us much. So may God bless us this new year May he send us out into it to be fruitful. May the evangelism that we seek to undertake our work amongst the young bear fruit. And may we learn, each of us there, to seek the Lord, to be encouraged in hearts, knit together in love, attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding. And have all of that because we are together unlocking the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are in Christ. Amen.